Well, it's amazing. In Sunday school, we learned important principles from the people of this church. We learned that we need some priorities that we have to work through. And we were talking about some things in a puzzle. We were trying to figure out whether we had the family or God or work or church, how that all worked together. But your people fixed it up for us. And this wasn't quite right, was it? But we got it finally figured out when they got all in the right spot. And we figured out that with all of those puzzle pieces, if we put it all together, they determined that who should be first? God. And then family and then church and then and then work and so as we worked through that we said well this is a good place to start you know i was uh, i was looking online and i noticed there was a puzzle i could buy i was thinking about it simply was 101 dalmatians in other words 500 pieces but here was the kicker two-sided anybody into jigsaw puzzles that one might be a little bit tricky. Kind of reminds me of my marble puzzle, but I know that there's a lot of people that have, there are a lot of people that have challenges in their lives. We all have pieces of the puzzle. We're beginning to try to figure out how do all the things fit together. And that's why it's important that we go to God's word and find answers. I'd like you to join me in Colossians chapter number one this morning. We're going to be reading together verses 21 through, I mean 15 through 20. If you would join me, please, let's stand together in reverence to the Word of God and the God of the Word. And while we read today, would you join with me whenever you see the little phrase, all things? Would you be so kind as to emphasize it, say it louder? You can take your, your uh, mouse and scroll over it and you can put bold face in the margin if you want either way but just emphasize it as we say it colossians 1 verses 15 to 20 let's read it together out loud who is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of every creature for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Father, would you please today help us to understand why it's so important that we deal with the all things. You said in Matthew chapter 6, as we read earlier this morning, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And multiple times in this passage, we've noticed this little phrase again, which means you're concerned about those things, but you're most concerned that we understand that you are the God who provides them and that you're... You are the God that we must bring honor and glory to. So we ask that you'll do that today. I pray that you'll instruct us from your word. I pray that you'll help us to realize that we can't live a day, a moment without you. And that all things must come under your subordination. So we pray for this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
You'll notice right from the beginning when it says who, it's talking about Jesus because you'll notice in verse 14, it says that in whom we have redemption through his blood. There is no one else that we could have redemption through their blood except for Jesus Christ. You can bleed, you could do all kinds of things, but that's not going to save us. But Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin and he is the one who, according to verse number 13, was translated, who translates us into the kingdom of his dear son. When and we trust in his shed blood that was paid at the cross of Calvary. So you'll notice in verse number 15 it says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Right there's another priority note, isn't it? He's the firstborn. He's first in priority. He's foremost of God's, of God's, of, of God's, God's wonderful world that he has for us. And so we notice right away. And I love this because you'll notice in verse Verse number 16, it says, for by him, Jesus, were all things created. So right away, you'll know that Jesus is our handcrafter. Isn't it amazing? When you drive around this country, you see various signs of signs. It says, woodworking, or it says quilts, or it says other kinds of machinery, and it says handcrafted. You can often know it by the color brown that designates those signs. My wife sees the quilt store and goes, oh, honey, can we stop? Can we stop? And she loves to do that kind of quilting. If you're a quilter, see my wife. She'll have a good conversation with you uh, along that line. If you like to do sewing, that's great. If you like to do woodworking, I love to be uh, in Amish country, wherever that happens to be, in Pennsylvania or over in Ohio or, or even up in New York, and you'll see all these wood carvers and things like that. It just intrigues me as I see. But when it came to creation, isn't it amazing that God spoke everything into existence, but when it came to man, he picked up some dirt from the ground, and he formed man, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's an amazing thought. Now, instead, our world today is trying to shove down the throats of our young generation that somehow in some primordial soup, there was an amoeba swimming around, and then all of a sudden, it decided to sprout an arm and sprout a leg and climb up on shore and climb a tree and begin to shave, and here we are. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Well, I like the author, Frank Peretti. He said that evolutionary concept is kind of like from goo to you by way of the zoo. It's pretty close, isn't it? Yeah. We've come up with all kinds of explanation. I just read an article recently about some scientists who said billions of years ago, they finally figured out how the Big Bang took place. Isn't that amazing? When big bangs happen at our place, it's usually not very productive. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, the Bible doesn't speak about that at all. It simply says, in the beginning, God created. And we know from Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus was the one who did that. And that's an amazing thought in our world that we can live here by the power of God. You know, you're an amazing person. God made you absolutely incredible. In fact, I read an article recently that, <laughs> that thrilled me. It said, during your lifetime, you are so amazing, you will produce enough saliva to fill two swimming pools. You didn't think about that, did you? Yeah. The strongest muscle in the human body is the tongue, and the hardest bone is the jawbone. <laughs> and just ask the person next to you. Human feet have 52 bones, accounting for one quarter of the human body's bones. And your feet have 500,000 sweat glands and can produce more than a pint of sweat a day. 
You didn't need that information, did you? Here's what I found fascinating. Sneezes regularly exceed 100 miles per hour, while coughs clock in at 60 miles per hour. I'm not sure an elbow's going to be enough to catch it all. I don't know all of that, but I know we're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the Bible says. Not some kind of an accident. I mean, look at the person next to you and go, wow, that is a creation of God. Now say it backwards. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. We're all different, aren't we? Did you notice some have beautiful hair? Some of us wish we did. It, it, it's okay, Brother Gene. It's all right. You know, a man in South Carolina, he told me his wife used to run her fingers through the waves. Now she just pats the beach. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a challenge. We're all different. Did you notice your neighbor has a different looking nose than you do? Now, look at their ears. That's funny. Some of us have a little hang-me-down thing here. You know what I'm talking about? And some don't. Well, we're just different, right? Hey, take both hands, put them in front of you, and fold them together like this. How many of you put your thumb, your top thumb is left over right? Anybody? Left over righters? There you go. How many go right over lefters? Now, try it the other way. That doesn't even feel right, does it? No, absolutely not. You see, we're all different. And people are getting all concerned about it. They say, well, it's about skin. It has nothing to do with our skin color. It has nothing to do with all of the other things that go on in our world. God created us exactly the way he wanted us. He knew what we needed. But there's something amazing about our world. Because I was just reading last night and found it fascinating that nose jobs... Over <laughs> thousands and thousands of people are getting elective plastic surgery because they don't like the way they've been made. You say, well, I get it. I understand. <laughs> but it was fascinating as I read this article that it said that 17.5 million, the number of plastic surgeries and minimally, minimally invasive cosmetic procedures in the United States costing roughly $16.7 billion dollars. Now, I don't know what the issue is. It could be that there was an accident or something else and you need something. But a lot of folks just don't like the way they're made. Guess what? God made you just the way he wanted you. We are all completely different. And that means that Jesus gets all the glory. Because he's the one who crafted it for just what we need. And you say, well, I don't know what's going to happen. No, you don't. But as was the case of Gladys Alward and was the case of other missionaries and various ones that we've read about, God gave them the right things at just the right time. So when he was ready for that ministry, he began to put all the puzzle pieces together. And they were right exactly the way God intended. Look what it says. By him were all things created, verse 16, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or minions or principalities or powers. All things were created, what? By him and for him. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says we were created for his pleasure. Isn't that amazing? And God has great delight. But he did more than that. Not only did he handcraft us, but he also is our holder. Look what it says in verse number 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The word consist here simply means to hold together. 
Just like atmospheric pressure at 15 pounds per square inch, it kind of pulls us all together, kind of ties us all together. But Christ is our holder. I was thinking of this as I was reminded when I was a kid, we didn't have a television, or we didn't have the internet, we didn't even have fancy recorders or other things like that, but we had a hi-fi. Do you know what a hi-fi is? It's a box in the corner of the living room that you'd put those big vinyl platters, records we called them. Remember those things? 33 and a third, 45, 78s. Those were cool as could be. And I'd just sit there and watch because you push the button and that big arm would swing back like this. And then the records go, and then that arm would swing over like that. And then that needle would go, And you are about ready to hear stereo. <laughs> Do you remember the old eight-track tapes? We used to throw those in. <laughs> and then they came along the cassettes, and we had those. And then there were CDs. You remember those? <laughs> and now the world has moved on, and there's all kinds of things. And things keep changing, don't they? But the old hi-fi, never forget it, because I'd sit there and rapt attention as this big, robust singer would sing on one record that we had. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the big, round world. Oh, you had that kind of vocal fry that was in there, you know. They just said, whoa, I mean, this is something. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. I could just imagine all of this. Hey, guess what? God has you in his hands. You say, but wait a minute. This world has gone crazy. Haven't you seen what's happening in Israel? Haven't you seen what Turkey just announced this week? Haven't you seen what Iran is planning? Haven't you seen what kind of things are going on in San Francisco? What's happening in Portland? We were out in Oregon a few weeks ago. It's absolutely crazy. You say, how can all that be? I got good news for you. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's holding it all together. You don't have to worry. If you have any questions about it, read Revelation chapter 5. You'll see he's in control. There's one that sits on the throne, and I'm going to tell you something, that Jesus Christ is our holder, and oh, we can thank God. He holds us together no matter what happens. I was thanking the Lord the other day when we were driving along, and I got a blue ox system on the back of my motorhome that holds my car on there. And one day as we were traveling through Niles, Ohio, as we came down through that area this week, I got to thinking about that, how all of a sudden it let loose, and the car was just swagging back there. And I thought, wow, if that other side had gone and the whole thing bent like that, we'd have lost the car at 60 miles an hour, and who wants to see a car without a rider, right? Well, of course, we got EVs now, and we got self-driving cars and everything else going on, but it's amazing to me that God has a way of holding everything together, and he's got you in his hand. You could look at John chapter 10 and you'd see there that he says, I am in my father's hand and my father's holding. And he says, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. Woo! Isn't that exciting to think that God knows all about us and he cares about us. Oh, Jesus is your holder. Look what it says in verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have the preeminence. So now you can see he's the head. Jesus is the head. 
That means you and I are relegated to elbows and, and kneecaps and armpits and other parts of the body, but none of us will ever be the head. Do you understand? One man came to me before I went to take a church in Oregon many years ago, and he said, Brother Merrill, he said, I've been in the ministry for a long time. He says, as you go to pastor, he said, let me remind you that the church is a body, and everybody has two armpits. I looked at him strange, and I said, so what are you getting at? He said, listen, they'll stink, they'll cause you problems, but don't you worry, they'll hold your arms up. He said, when you get to your church, you just look around, you'll find two of them. Everybody has them. You know what? It didn't take me very long to heed his advice, and when I got there to Oregon to the church, I found one right away. Absolutely. I didn't know how I was going to survive it as the pastor with that armpit, but I'm telling you, I found out that was son who was going to hold up my arms without a doubt. Woo! They'd sting. He'd say, well, I'm not an armpit. I hope you're not an armpit. You'll be a blessing to your pastor. But I'm going to tell you, we're all different parts of the body, but no one is the head but Jesus. That's why so many times people get sideways and they get edgewise with one another and they can't seem to get along with one another. And then somebody says, well, I'm going to be in charge. And the next thing you know, things end up in all kinds of trouble because Jesus isn't moving over. He's the head of the body, you see. So whoever you are, big shot, you better just get in your place because Jesus is the head. And that's the way God designed it. When our kids were small, Sometimes they'd get scared at night. So they'd leave their beds and they'd run up to our room and jump in with us. Do you remember those days? Some of you have kids or grandkids. You said, never let them do it. Well, I did because it didn't take very long until finally they were too big to do that. But our son, Mark, I'll never forget. He, he would always come running in, jump right in between my wife and I, and then had the audacity to use his elbow and say, scooshy over, daddy, scooshy over. And I'd say, listen, this is my bed. You aren't having a problem down there. You can go to your own bed or you can go on the outside, but I'm going to stay right here. He goes, scooshy over, daddy. <laughs> so whoever you are, however big you think you are, however much you think you ought to be in charge, you better just scooshy over because Jesus is the head of the body. And by the way, that's the only way it functions. And you'll notice it says that in all things, he might have not the prominence, but the preeminence. In other words, he needs to be number one in your life. Everybody wants to be number one. This week as we were coming through Ohio, we saw a sign that said, world's, what was that, greatest burgers? Right on the corner there in Austinburg. And I thought, isn't that something, man? I mean, I'd, I'd really like to stop. I mean, if they're the world's greatest. We were coming across Route 80, and I saw the world's best coffee. And I thought, oh, boy, I didn't even drink coffee. I don't even want coffee. But, I mean, it's almost worth pulling over, you know? I mean, if this is the world's best. On Route 20 in Ohio, I saw this big school, an old school building, used to have windows all over. Do you remember those days? That's so we would let light in. And those great big windows, they'd taken construction paper, and they had formed these words, we're number one. And I'm driving by, and I'm thinking, man, if that's number one, I ought to probably pull over. Everybody wants to be number one, but guess who is? Jesus that in all things he might be the, have the preeminence. He's got to be number one in your life. 
That means everything else is subservient to what Jesus wants. If you're a child of God, you've been made by him, you've been bought by him, you're held by him, then he's going to have to be number one in your life if you're going to allow him to get the glory that he deserves. And this is why it's so important. Look at verse number 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross... By him to reconcile all things unto himself. Here's the, here he is, Jesus, the great reconciler, who can reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Verse 21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. He's not talking here about Area 51. He's not talking about space creatures. He, he's not talking about all the kind of stuff that's hanging out in space and, and all of that that people are getting worried about these days. He's not talking about those kind of aliens. He says here that we were alienated and enemies in our minds by wicked works, but God, through his son Jesus, is able to reconcile us. How? Verse number 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. That's what matters. And he says, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the what? the hope of the gospel. The choir sang, my hope is Jesus. That is what really matters because Jesus is not only our holder in our head, but he's our hope. And I couldn't help but think as the choir was singing, thank you, Lord, I'm on the right path. This is obviously what you wanted me to say today because the choir is singing about it. We're talking about it. And now we're going to say it again. Jesus is our hope. In a world that's gone crazy as a result of COVID and people have lost hope, so many people took their own lives. Suicides have gone straight through the roof. Jesus is still our hope. And he says here that's because of what he did on the cross of Calvary where he took us in our wicked, sinful condition and in the body of his flesh through death, he has the ability to save us and to present us holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And he says that's why we must continue in the faith, rooted and grounded in love because he is our hope amazing as I was looking last night at earthquaketrack.com you can look at it yourself to see the earthquakes that happened yesterday over 50,000 earthquakes over 1.5 on the Richter scale in the last year absolutely incredible I've been watching this over the years and it continues to go up exponentially they probably didn't expect the earthquake that happened in two places in Texas this week or in the Philippines or in Venezuela. But I'm telling you, things are continuing to heat up. And he says, you better be rooted and grounded. You better have hope. Now, here's the amazing thing. Colossians was written to the people of Colossae. Colossae? Hierapolis, 13 miles away, Laodicea, 10 miles away, the triple cities. But it's interesting that those triple cities, and specifically Colossae, are on a geographical fault line. And he says to these people, who in their history had already felt the shaking of the earth beneath them, 
You've got to be rooted and grounded in love. You're going to have to be steadfast, settled, and stable. And so it's interesting when he says to them, don't be moved away, be grounded and settled from the hope of the gospel that he's speaking to people here as he sends this book by the hand of Philemon to them who some think possibly lived in that area, but we never hear anything else of Philemon. In fact, even in the book of Revelation in AD 96, when it occurs... There's no mention of Colossae, and that's because a year or so after we learn from Nero's tenure in his seventh year that there was a massive earthquake in Colossae, and Colossae basically ceased to exist. It was rebuilt at times up until the 8th century, and now it's just ruins. In March, we intend, if God wills, for us to go to Greece And I found it intriguing as I was studying more of the people of Greece and I was reminded of that, that there's a little town there in the middle of the country and it's called Rapoto, Rapoto, Greece. On our trip, we'll be starting in Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, and then heading over to Philippi, and and then down to Berea, where the Berean Christians uh, it speaks of, and then down to Athens, and then the Corinth, and then a little extra aside going over to the Isle of Patmos where John wrote the Revelation. Very exciting. If you'd like to go along, pick up a brochure in the back. But it's interesting that the town of Rapoto, Greece, in 2012, all of a sudden experienced a landslide in that particular area, which began to change everything for those people. And literally, the buildings did not collapse, but they just slid down the hill. A man who went in and did a video of this says, you cannot believe it. These buildings are not generated that way because of the angle of the photo, but literally, that's a 17-degree angle these buildings are on. They've slid down the hill. The land has shifted. Incredible. You say, well, I've seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Yeah, 3%. 17. And no pizza in the Leaning Tower either, I don't think. But I will tell you this, what he's saying is you better be rooted and grounded, you better be settled, you better know that Jesus alone is your hope because no matter what happens, if you know Christ, you can just smile at the storm. You don't have to worry because Christ is our hope, even if there's a worldwide pandemic. You ever heard of that? Hey, they're masking up again out on the West Coast. Because of what they're calling a triple pandemic, I have no idea what it all is. I will say this. We don't know what's going to happen in our world. Questions are being asked right now. What's going to happen in Israel? What's going to happen if America engages? What's going to happen in our own land? Oh, maybe we've been shielded a bit from all of that, but God has his way of bringing his will about. And I'm going to tell you, if things begin to rumble and things begin to quake and bombs begin to explode, if you have Jesus, you have hope. And without Jesus, you have no hope. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter number 2, would you notice it there? It tells us, it says, 
Wherefore, verse 11, remember ye that being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, verse number 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There's a whole ton of people that are without hope. He says, but verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus Ye who sometimes were far off made nigh by the blood of Christ. Isn't it amazing that Jesus Christ poured out his blood and shed his blood for your sins so you could have hope in him? You say, man, I don't understand it. I'm going to tell you something. Today, you don't have to leave this place with any question in your mind that Jesus can be your Savior. You can be reconciled, brought into a right relationship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. That's hope. Think about it. When you think about those four issues that we talked about, because Jesus is our handcrafter, that means that this gives us a special purpose. We don't have to wonder what's going on. Because he's our holder, this gives us a special protection. Because he's our head, this gives us a special position. Anything other than the head, and this is our hope, and that gives us peace. And that peace is the peace that passes all understanding. It'll keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4 says. We were in a church in Mansfield, Ohio. We parked in the parking lot right across from the church cemetery. Every day, a car pulled up and parked in front of us, went to the corner lot of the cemetery. There was all kinds of memorabilia and various kinds of flowers and other things there, and this lady came every day. And I went over and talked to her, and I found out that her son 15 years old, was killed on the road just down from the church. She couldn't get over it. I said, you can have hope in Jesus. You can know for sure Jesus is your Savior. Heaven's your home. She didn't receive Christ that day. But I'm going to tell you, there are people everywhere around the world who need the Lord. The only hope that we can offer is not in anything we have, but in Christ and Christ alone. A few weeks ago, we were in Oregon. A lady came to a Wednesday night service. I met her. Her name is the same as my mother's. And so I said from that point on, I'll just call you mom. I had no idea, though, at the end of the service, she would raise her hand and say, I need Jesus as my Savior. She came, was dealt with with one of the ladies in the church. The pastor wrote me an email this week, and he said, Randy, I just want you to know Donna is moving forward in her faith with God. It's so exciting to see her grow. Why? Because she found hope in Jesus. Not hope in the church, not hope in the altar, not hope in the people. Found hope in Jesus, and you can find that hope and know that hope today. If you will bring yourself to him and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm condemned and I deserve death without you in eternity. But I understand that Jesus, who is our handcrafter, he's our holder, he's our head, but he's our hope. He came to die for your sins and now I can have eternal life. Do you understand that? If you do. It'll make all the difference in the world. So let me ask you this question. What's your priority puzzle like? 
Is God in his rightful place? Do you know that he is in the top spot, that he has the preeminence? And if not, isn't it time that we start with him and his son, Jesus Christ, who loved us so much, he gave himself for us, that we can have eternal life and we can live forever with him, regardless of what happens in this world. Oh, that gives us hope for the next 38 years or however many, as we trust him, how's your priority puzzle? Father, thank you. Let us be reminded today that many of us would try to move into your spot, try to run our own lives, try to do our own thing, and it would be to our detriment and those around us.